Cynthia A. Thomas is a licensed counselor in the state of Maine. She is also licensed and ordained with the International Church of Foursquare Gospel. Cynthia's teaching is focused on ordinary people learning an extraordinary way of loving God and loving others. Where church isn't a building, it's people learning together and encouraging each other to follow the teaching of Jesus. Thanks for joining today, and now here is Cindy with today's focus. It is recorded in Luke 11.1 1, that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. In Matthew 6, 9-13, we see what Jesus said and how he taught them to pray. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For those of you who may know the Lord's Prayer, it may surprise you that the ending seems to be missing here in Scripture. In fact, in the King James Version of the Bible, the ending exists as you may remember the prayer. From what I read in my research, this ending was added sometime in the 5th century. However, research has shown that before the 5th century, it was not included in the manuscripts copied by the scribes. Is it a horrible thing? Well, the end of the prayer seems to be taken from another scripture in 1 Chronicles 29.11. And the saying of Amen, which means yes, so be it, was a common way the Jewish people ended their prayers. So if it wasn't there originally, is it bad to say it now? Obviously the ending comes from scripture, therefore I would say no, it's not bad. And I include the ending when I say the Lord's Prayer. I just think that, that uh, the body of Christ needs to understand that when things are being translated from the original language, things can happen. I believe in the inerrant word of God as it was given to the Jewish people in their original manuscripts. I believe that in order to totally understand original scripture, we must understand the Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek languages, and the culture the writings were given in when God gave them. This is precisely why so many translations of the Bible exist. The truth is that the Jewish documents cannot be translated in English word for word because our languages are not set up the same way and we don't even have words for some things that are said. So a word from ancient writings might be translated into a sentence or sometimes a paragraph in order for us to understand the meaning and context. That is why we are so often counseled to choose Bibles from reputable translating teams and to read four or five versions of scripture in order to get a more complete understanding 
of the context and meaning of any given passage. Some versions I read and study from are King James, both Old and New King James Version. I also study from the Amplified Bible, English Standard Version, the New Living Translation, the New International Version, and American Standard Version, and there are some others I refer to, but those are the main ones I seem to go to when I'm studying. With the internet today, we can go to sites like BibleGateway.com and read the translations in multiple versions right there. From my last few podcasts, you also know that I am a total advocate for inviting our teacher, the Holy Spirit, into everything we study. We should be asking him to guide us into all truth because that is why Jesus said he was sent here. Do we do that? Some people actually panic if they think their version of the English translated Bible is not perfect. They panic if they find out something they've always thought is really not quite what scripture teaches. We've got to calm down about this and trust that God is God and he can give us wisdom and understanding of truth. We are all growing from glory to glory toward the likeness of Christ after all. We are bound to understand things from a more thorough and mature point of view as we grow in the spirit of God and in the understanding of his word. Studies show how amazing the consistency of the Bible is, having been written by over 40 different writers from all socioeconomic positions in life and over a, a time span of 2,000 years. In fact, when the Bible manuscripts are studied for authenticity against other ancient writings of the world, the Bible is significantly more reliable in the integrity of what was being transcribed correctly and passed down over the centuries than any other man's manuscript in history. I find that astounding. If you want to study more about this, read Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell. But there are other books that talk about this subject. I think it's absolutely amazing and reassuring that even though there are so many reputable translations into English, that the main points of the scripture remain intact. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. Jesus is God the Son, sent to earth to pay the price to redeem his creation that had become separated from him at the fall in the Garden of Eden. Jesus suffered, died on the cross, and rose again in payment of that price, and Jesus is coming back for his church. Woo, hallelujah. <laughs> there are so many big picture things that all good translations agree on, so we should not panic about perceived differences. Let's face it, the message of scripture is for everyone, but the language and times it was written in did not come from our Western culture. 
Be aware of this truth, but don't worry too much about it. Read at least a couple different good versions of the Bible and ask God the Holy Spirit to teach you. Then get out there and do what the Bible teaches. Be about your Father's work, living the life of love and service he's called us to. Show and tell people about the beauty of Jesus and his message of redemption and freedom from bondages in order to live his gift of life to its fullest here on earth and in eternity to come. But if you'd like to study more about how to read the Bible, I have a good book recommended from a class I took at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, and it's titled How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. You can find both those books I mentioned on Amazon.com. Maybe I'll do a podcast on this whole issue later on. The only reason I bring it up now is because here, first thing, we are faced with a curious issue of translations as we look at the Lord's Prayer in Scripture. But let's get back to the prayer. I just said that we should be about our Father's work. Why did I say that? I said that because it's what Jesus said he was doing from John 10:25, John 10:38 and other scripture. In fact, Jesus tells us in Matthew 5:16 that we should be out there in the world letting our light shine before others so that they may see our good works and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. But it's not just good works for good works sake, is it? It's works that testify to the goodness of our Father who is in heaven. Our Father in heaven. That's the beginning of the prayer Jesus taught us to pray. How do we know that we have the right to come before God and call him our Father? Let's look at some scriptures. John 14, 6. Jesus said to them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We see here that in order for us to come to God as our Father, we need to go through Jesus. And this is our Father in heaven. This is not an earthly father. This is a father beyond this worldly existence. Let's look at John chapter 3 and see what it means to be born again. John 3, 1 through 18. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, We know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with them. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Here we can see Nicodemus struggling to understand this whole born-again idea. I know people who struggle to understand it. Let's go on to verse 10. Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness of what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe it if I tell you heavenly things? In verse 6 through 8, Jesus is pointing out that there is a difference between being born in the flesh and being born in the spirit. Then in verse 12, he shows there's a difference between thinking from an earthly point of view and thinking from a heavenly point of view. Jesus goes on, verse 13. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And so Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. So the Son of Man must be lifted up. And whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And then we go into the famous John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. In my mind, this clearly shows that apart from the Son of God, people are perishing. And I so love verse 17, as it shows us that the mission of God the Son is not to come condemn us all for being so bad, but to save us from our spiritually separated condition as we exist because of the fall in the Garden of Eden we live in a fallen world at war with the enemy of God. John 3.17 For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Then listen to this next verse carefully. Verse 18 Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. You see, in the Garden of Eden, when the act of disobedience happened, and they listened and followed another voice and not the voice of God their Creator, a separation took place. According to scripture, the only way to repair that break is to be born again of the Spirit. According to scripture, the only way to be reconnected 
is through the spirit realm. We are born once of flesh, but we need to be born again of the spirit to be completed. According to Jesus, the only way for that to happen is through him. You see, we are not condemned to eternal separation from God because of what we've done. We are condemned to eternal separation from God because we did not receive and pull into ourselves the rescue line God sent to save us. That line is Jesus Christ. Look at the things King David did. Yet he was considered a man after God's own heart. Why? He knew how to authentically repent and realign his life actions to God's word. If you haven't heard my podcast called Repent is a Victory Word, I would encourage you to listen to that and consider its message before God. We all have consequences for our actions that we have to live with, and David certainly did. We do reap what we sow, scripture says. However, that doesn't mean we have to be eternally separated from God because of the things we've done. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace and mercy. The word believe is an interesting word here. It does not just mean head knowledge. How would you answer these questions? Are you all in with Jesus or not? Are you willing to be a doer of the word and not just a hearer? Do you accept the mission to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbors as yourself. Are you willing to submit yourself daily as a disciple of Jesus Christ and work with him as you grow from glory to glory toward his likeness? As you learn from the word of God and the teaching of the Holy Spirit? When the word believe is used, it's this kind of, I'm all in with Jesus attitude. It's a heart attitude. But remember how this might look in your life or anyone's life is different for different people and different cultures. We aren't supposed to make rules and regs about how this all should look for each other. God is the judge of our heart attitude. And we can't judge each other's hearts. We're not even equipped to do that. (laughs) There is a kind of judgment that we are told to do, but that's for another podcast. (laughs) So let's get back to these questions. Are you all in with Jesus? And another question. Do you believe that there is a need to be born of the Spirit, just as you were born of the flesh? And 
Do you believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one can come to the Father except through him? If the Bible is true, and, and I believe that it is, then we all must be born again. We must receive that reconnection line between us. In our inherited, fallen condition, we are separated from God, and we must go through Jesus Christ to get reconnected. 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6 For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. According to the Bible, God the Son, Jesus the Christ, is the only way to reconnect with God the Father. Have you given your heart to Jesus? Have you given your life to him? If you want to, you could do that right now. You just need to tell him. There's no magic words. It's just about a sincere, authentic heart that says, Jesus, I want you. I give my life to you. I want to be born again of the Spirit. And I ask you to teach me how to follow you all the days of my life. However you say it, Jesus will hear your heart and understand and come into you and you will be born again of his spirit. Then you will begin a journey from glory to glory toward his likeness. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And as Psalms 23 says, surely his goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life and you shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You will never walk through any valley of shadows alone in this life, for God will be in you and with you. Hallelujah. If you said this prayer today, please send us a message at cathomas at freedomreigns.org. That's F-R-E-E-D-O-M-R-A-I-N-S dot org. And let us know, and we will rejoice with you. And ask us any questions you may have. We'd love to hear from you. If you are born again, you are a child of the living God. Romans 8, 15 through 17. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness to our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Speaking of Jesus, John 1, 12 and 13 but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who are born, born of blood, who were born not of 
blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of the will of God. Hallelujah. <laughs> I encourage you, receive Jesus the Christ. Be born again of the Spirit and come to our Father in heaven. We will continue the Lord's Prayer in the next podcast. So keep on keeping on in Jesus, everyone. Till next time. And that concludes today's segment. We hope to see you next time as you learn the extraordinary ways of loving God and others.